Welcome to the Missio Day podcast. Missio Day is a family of Jesus, joining God as he makes all things new in Chicago. Check us out online at missiodaychicago.com. We are starting into a new series this week, and I'm gonna actually just start out by reading a scripture for our time together. And so I want you to just pause. I, when we're doing certain stories within scripture versus like the letters or other things, I like to just encourage you to take a moment, breathe, and allow yourself to sort of ignite your creative imagination to envision the story. Get in the narrative and try to experience what it is that's happening in these stories that have been recorded for our benefit and learning. So this morning we're gonna read out of John's Gospel, chapter five. I'm starting in verse one and I have the NLT version. Afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city, near the Sheep Gate, was the pool of Bethsaida with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, would you like to get well? I can't, sir, the man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat and walk. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. But this miracle happened on the Sabbath, so the Jewish leaders objected. They said to the man who was cured, you can't work on the Sabbath. The law doesn't allow you to carry that sleeping mat. But he replied, the man who healed me told me, pick up your mat and walk. Who said such a thing as that, they demanded. The man didn't know, for Jesus had disappeared into the crowd. But afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and told him, now you are well. So stop sinning or something even worse may happen to you. Then the man went and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had healed him. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you and we long to learn from you, to cast our gaze upon you. I pray this morning that you would um, guide our time through the Holy Spirit, guide the words of my mouth and um, just the posture of all of our hearts as we long for you to guide and lead this time with us. In your name we pray, amen. So we are in week one of a new series that we're calling Unstuck. We're trying to get real and practical in specific areas where we can commonly feel stuck as individuals or as a community or even as a society, these things happen. We're talking about transformation in this series, moving out of one thing into another, more healed and whole thing instead. These are based on real things we've experienced, things like isolation, that one's a real one lately, distorted thinking when our thought life is just uh, on a certain track, the voices we listen to that has a lot to do with like self-talk, the things we say over ourselves, warped identity, the ways that we've chosen or uh, inadvertently accepted identities uh, that are not our true identity, and blurred calling, things like this. So this is a series that's really designed to help us move forward away from these things toward something better because we all get stuck sometimes. And this is why we picked this story. This man is our image of stuckness. He has been stuck for 38 years. 
And Jesus finds him at this scene, at this well. Now this well has actually been, uh, archeologists have dug up this site. It was a well that was there. It had alcoves around it. And Eugene Peterson's translation says that uh, the, the hundreds of sick people, blind, crippled, paralyzed, were in these alcoves around this, this well. Because what would happen, both pagans and Jews would come. Everyone knew this well, and it's uh, legendary power to heal. So apparently the, the water would sometimes stir up somehow. I don't know if this was a spring bubbling or what, but something would happen and the water would stir up. And the idea, the thought, was that the first person, the first person or people who could get to the spring when that happened, get into the water, would be healed. So people were waiting around this pool, just waiting for this movement in the water so that they could seek healing. I've heard it said before, this man for 38 years was so close to healing but didn't quite go for it and take the initiative. He's lame, he can't get there. And the people who are hanging out around this pool are all there to get healing for themselves. I don't think there were a lot of people going to hang out with this group of people for philanthropic reasons to go help others into the pool. So this man has been waiting there for 38 years and every time someone else beats him to it. He is our living image of stuckness for this moment. And Jesus approaches him. Do you want to get well? I love that this uh, conversation starts with a question. Actually, the first time Jesus is recorded as speaking in John's gospel, it's a question. What are you looking for? Him, of course. And last week, Easter Sunday, remember the question to Mary in the garden of the tomb. Why are you crying? Who are you looking for? And here, what do you, do, excuse me, do you want to get well? So, unstuck. For this series, here's our premise. We all get stuck sometimes in moments of paralysis, but Jesus comes to bring us to what we cannot get in our own strength. To get unstuck, we need to take responsibility for how we are stuck and acknowledge that our life is unmanageable without God's power and help. That's the overarching thesis that we're talking about here. And so as we approach these subjects, each of them over the following weeks, let's consider a few key steps to engaging in transformative process when we're talking about spiritual formation and growth. This is not a self-help series. The self-help industry is huge and it's great to get help, but spiritual formation is what we're talking about here. And so I want to point out the difference on three simple things that we need to go through if we're dedicated to the transformation that can come through Jesus, lasting change. Number one, we have to believe that change is even possible. I think oftentimes we can find ourselves with a refusal to see or believe that we really can be transformed. It's, it's a lie that we can fall into, that it, it can't be changed, the situation. I think for some, that denial of being able to believe that real change is possible comes because we can't always imagine uh, a different way, an inability to imagine it. Uh, sometimes I know I'm talking about things like, like thought life or um, some behavior patterns, but I think of a good analogy. Have you ever talked to somebody who has like a chronic illness or has something physically wrong with them and then they get healed? They, something happens and a medicine works and they're like, I can't believe how amazing normal is. I forgot what it felt like to feel good. Something simple. 
I, I forgot that it could be like this. I think there can sometimes be an inability to know that there is another way. We, we kind of can forget, but we're here to say that real transformation can take place and we need to start by believing it. This man had come to a place of despair. He'd given up. He was resigned that this was his life, to hang out on this sleeping mat and watch the people go into this pool of water. This is just the way it is. I sit here and hang out for healing and it doesn't happen. So when it comes to this idea of believing that change even is possible, a friend of mine pointed out this kind of quadrant that we can fall into. And um, I don't know about you, but I move around on this quadrant, even on one subject. I can be in different places at different time. Uh, some would say, I don't want change and I don't want help. This is what it is and leave me alone. Some would say, I want help, but I don't actually want to change. I've been at this quadrant, I'll explain in a minute. When sometimes you wanna say, I want to change, but I do not want any help. I have got this on my own. But then finally there comes a place where we can actually say, I want to change. And Lord, I'm gonna need help to do it. So I'm just gonna give you a personal example, just to be really honest. This happened to me recently. I got really stuck. Right when the second surge happened in November, we all decided to get COVID. And I didn't have fun. I didn't like that at all. So not only was it dark at 4.30 p.m., which is not good for any sense of activity, but after getting sick, I was just really lethargic. I was so tired. And I completely stopped taking good care of my body. We actually invented a dish in our house that we call comfort casserole, and we ate it a lot. And it's exactly what it sounded like, like Midwestern, cheesy, creamy ease. And anyway, I stopped moving around, I gained weight, I stopped exercising. Now this isn't just the fact that I have an issue that I have to deal with with weight. This is a health issue for me. Some of you may not know, but a couple years ago I had to have an artery surgery and after the surgery my doctor said, for the rest of your life you need to live heart healthy so this doesn't happen to you again. And that includes exercising at least four times a week. Well, when I get four months without exercising, I was clearly not caring for my physical health. But I was at the place in about January and it was still dark. I don't wanna change, I don't want help. This is just what it is to live in a pandemic and to be me. But then I went to the place where is, I want help, but I don't wanna change. And so I started looking for apps that would just help me, but not make me change anything. And there was this lovely moment a couple weeks ago where Andy looked at me and he said, you don't need an app, you know exactly what you need to do. And I was mad at him because he was right, and I don't always like it when he says things that are right, but it was the truth. I wasn't wanting to change anything, I just wanted a quick fix. And the fact is, I needed to change and I needed help. And God brought that help to me by reminding me, not only did I know that I needed to stand up and move this body again and put healthy things in it, but I needed to remember that my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. This is my one body and I need to honor it in order to be uh, uh, not only a faithful follower, but just uh, somebody who could live well with others, etc. Okay, so all that to say, we moved around the quadrant. I was making star-shaped movement around the quadrant, but there needs to come a time when you believe that this doesn't need to be the way you feel. I don't need to feel tired at 4.30 every day. So I needed to believe that there could be a change and a different way for living. The second thing after believing is that you need to commit. 
You need to decide. You need to engage and own it. So back to Jesus' question. Of course he wants to get better. He sat at the pool of healing for 38 years. Jesus knows that the man wants to get better. So why does he ask the question? He's drawing him in. I love it. He's engaging in conversation. He initiates relationship with the question because a question begs a response. And here, when I hear this invitation into the conversation, not only into his healing, but his ownership of the process. Do you want to get well? You need to own your answer. You need to state it. Have you guys ever had that moment where once you say something, it gets really, really real? I have to leave this toxic job. I want to quit smoking. Once you've put it out there, you've stated it, that's a commitment, and you know something, something powerful has happened when you've owned that. Dallas Willard wrote, spiritual transformation into Christ-likeness, which is what's offered to all of us. It's not going to happen unless we act. What transforms us is the will to obey Jesus Christ. So getting unstuck starts with our heart's openness to God and acceptance of our condition. And we can teach all day long, we can Google, we can look for books and read and never change. No one can make you change. That's why this commitment part means shedding excuses and actually saying, I want something more. And there's no shame in this. We all need change. There's so much grace here in this series. But I pray that we would open our minds to not only believe that real change can happen, but also to commit to engaging in it. So believe and commit. Number three is the really important part. We need to include God. Yes, Lord, I want to be well, and I need your help beyond myself. The good news is we don't need to move toward God to seek this uh, change or for his heart to be for us to be transformed. God is seeking after us. He moves towards us. Back to the scene in the scripture, right? The man couldn't get to the water, so living water came to him. Jesus came right to him. He freely offered transformation, first physical and then spiritual. Notice that because first he offered the healing, pick up your mat and walk at the pool. But then later Jesus finds him at the temple. The place of meeting is no longer a traditional place of healing, but a sacred place of God's presence. And that's where the fullness of healing comes. Lasting change, true restoration and transformation comes when we have faith. The one who heals and restores all things is going to empower us with the Holy Spirit to have that Christ-likeness transformation happen and remain in our life. We often talk about this. this when we're talking about Christ-likeness, this is the path that every disciple is on, coming more and more into the image of Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the journey we're all on, 2 Corinthians 3.18. Jesus has invited us to fullness and wholeness and has given the Holy Spirit to us for the journey. So when we talk about our actions, our thought patterns, the desires of our heart, all of that can be redeemed with the Spirit's help. So that's the focus of this series. That's what we're going to be going through. And we're going to do that on each topic. But here... Before we start, I want to talk about something specific. Lest we think this is a personal self-help series, I want us to keep our focus and our attention throughout this whole time on what our mission is as followers of Jesus. Because there is personal beauty and salvation and transformation, and that's great. But the life of Christ-likeness always draws us towards and for each other. 
So we can't just look at this as how I can change. That's good, but remember all of scripture is summed, all of the law is summed up, love God, love others. So if we're going to be a community with and for others, whether they're lifelong friends or new faces that we encounter, whether they're thriving or suffering or completely ignorant that they need change in their life, any of this, I long for us to be a transformative community where we together on these paths are talking about how we do this together with and for one another and for people we don't even know or who don't know Christ yet. Transformation isn't just for personal um, well-being. So as a church, how do we consider these topics? Okay, as, as the religious figure in the space, as the church, let's look at how the religious institution responded to this moment at the well. The man who has been physically lame for 38 years picked up his mat and is walking around, and they are more concerned with the fact that he's carrying a mat than with the fact that he's been, he's been healed. It's the Sabbath, and that's their response to this miraculous moment. That's what the religious institution points out. Contrast this with Jesus. Jesus, in this moment, we see not only his power to heal, but we see his amazing pastoral presence. Do you notice that in his words, his spiritual care, his willingness to be interrupted, to walk toward a suffering person? That's what ministry is for Jesus. He glimpsed, we get a glimpse here of the gentle care of the good shepherd. Not just miraculous power, but tender care. Again and again, no matter how diseased or contagious or um, uh, unclean to society's eyes, no matter what, no matter how sinful, Jesus goes right toward it. That's how we respond. We don't want to respond like the religious leaders who are uptight about a rule. We want to respond with the tender care of Jesus who goes toward, is for the transformation of the other and for the world away from isolation or misplaced identity or whatever it is we're talking about. Let's remember that this is to shape us not only individually, but, but as a community of faith for the world. So throughout this series, I want to ask us to take these conversations beyond the first level. So first, yes, how will we engage in Christ's invitation to real transformation? How will we respond to be willing to say, yes, I, I, I can look to change and to grow in this area? Yes, let's ask how we'll respond. Then I want to go deeper. How will we call one another to this as a community, to encourage each other, to pastor one another? It's, we are all in this together, church. How do we do this together? And then third, how do we live this out in our mission for the world, for the outsider, for our neighbor? How do we live out and demonstrate this different story of transformation in a way that draws people into this uh, freedom for themselves? So we're going way beyond individual here, absolutely. I've said this to a few of you before in separate conversations, but one of the most frustrating things for me right now in this season where we are, I said it in the beginning, I'm so thankful that we can gather, including with those of you in living rooms. I'm so glad that we're all here together. But at the same time, this is really frustrating for me because the COVID rules and regulations are really important and I honor them. But at the same time, it's, completely, it's creating an atmosphere that feels opposite from that which I long for for this community right now masks and sign-ups and no hugging. I want us to be like messy meals together and laughing and crying and hugging and all of that throughout the week, not just this time when we can come together once a week even. Social distancing and all of that. My point
point is this, our culture, I long for something so much more for this community where we go into a series like this and we actually say, what does it look like to get into the mess together and have this take place even when we're remote? It doesn't matter, like when we're in this together, what does that look like? And so some of this, I feel like, you ever seen a horse that they say like chomping at the bit? Like I'm pulling, I'm ready for so much more than some of these restrictions are allowing for us. But all that being said, this is important and we will do this well, but you guys, we need to start with that imagination for more. We need to start with the ability to believe that there can be more here. That this Christ-likeness journey, it's not just like preachy talk. It's a real thing and it matters and it matters for the world. When we're talking about this ongoing path to Christ-likeness, some would call this a cruciform life. What that means is a life of one who would lay down themselves for others. So I love what Cherith V. Nordling wrote. The only way to live the cruciform life, this life of Christ-likeness for others, is by constantly relying on, walking in, keeping in step with, and living in the Spirit who confirms and transforms us in Christ. This radically dependent life is ironically, the ultimate free life. To be so radically dependent on the Holy Spirit is the ultimate free life. Because here's what's on my heart. And uh, this isn't for everybody maybe, but I know it is for me. And I'm gonna share it because I think it's for a handful of us. Missy O'Day, do not give in to a spirit of resignation. I know we're limited in some of the things that we can do, but I think that like me these last few months, my stuckness was a stagnancy. It was a spirit of resignation. This is just what it is to be us right now. This is what's there. And that is not true. That is a false lie. That is a spirit of resignation that this is as good as it gets. And it's not. This is not the end. Now listen, COVID trauma is a very real thing. Apathy, because you're trying to cope, is a real thing. Fear of the unknown, totally a real thing. I. 100% honor the desire for safety and caution in what we do. I'm not going forward past that. And I'm not talking about your physical decisions, whether or not you're ready to go to restaurants or to church. I'm not talking about any of that. I'm talking about our own heart and our spiritual life, whether you're in your living room or here in the sanctuary. What is it that your spirit is saying? And I think for some of us, we let that apathy or that lethargy, that being lethargic and slow, seep into what we expected out of the Holy Spirit of God in our midst. I think that that's a real temptation. So now listen, whatever you need to do to stay uh, safe and comfortable to deal with trauma, I was talking to my friend who's a counselor, her name is Adrian, and she said, no one, not a single person was equipped with coping skills for a pandemic. We never had it, so we all grabbed in our bag whatever we could find to cope, and we're, they need a ton of grace for each other because we all picked up different things to make it through this last year, and we need to honor that none of us had a toolbox for this moment, but as we coped, many of us allowed for spiritual formation to become stagnant as well and for us to lose our imagination that there's more. Maybe God was quiet. Maybe your scripture reading just felt empty or done for a while because you were spent by the end of your day. Maybe it's because you couldn't come and gather and worship and sing out loud and you had to sit and look at each other with masks. That's all real stuff on what can make that stagnant thing happen. And we all needed to just do what we could to stay sane. 
but I'm here to tell you that God is present. This was so heavy on my heart all this week. God is saying, this is not the end of this story. This is not how I operate in the world. There is more, and we need to believe in faith that there is more formation for us, not just individually, but as community, that God wants to move mightily. There is a world seeking transformation or something else besides what's being offered up right now. They're hungry. And they're also skeptical of the church, but they're not skeptical in relationship where they see somebody who's living a transformed life. That's the good news, and that's how we as the church go beyond our own thriving or our own different story, but we live into transformation that tells people that God has a mightier story and that the Holy Spirit is more powerful than anything that they've experienced before for real change. And if we're going to do that, I just say in all honesty, we need to fight against a spirit of resignation that can just fall down over our hearts like a big comforter or a weighted blanket that feels really good, but it's holding us back from what's best. So I want us to openly pray against a spirit of resignation and instead accept God at God's word that there is transformation and formation still to come. Will you acknowledge the places where you have fallen to that whisper that this is all there is? Whether it's in the life of the church or as good as it gets for how you are feeling about isolation or that thought pattern in your life or that action you've fallen to in this long, dark winter. This is just as good as it gets. Where we say, even if we don't believe it yet, will you just say, I don't believe that this is true. I know what's true. I am not resigned that this is all there is. Jesus, show me. Let me see, let me experience your goodness and may we cling in faith together that there is so much more to come as we are ongoingly being transformed into the very image of Christ. That's not just words. His very character, his, his, uh, his power through the Holy Spirit, all of it is there for us and we need to learn how to get messy and gritty and really boldly proclaim that in Christ there is more to come. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. We love to keep the conversation going. Find a weekly gathering or gospel community in a neighborhood near you. To find out more, check us out online at missiodechicago.com. <laughs>